When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I am Jennifer Justice. Today, we are going to talk to Christine Grimm. She is the founder of Aria, not the one in Vegas. This is a company that she's had for a while, coaching and consulting for women and people just like us. Hi, Christine. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being here. Um, I want to dive right in and talk about your business and coaching. You know, it seems like every time you open social media, somebody is a coach and a business coach and and they know what to do and they know, but like, Obviously, that's not true, you know, and uh, you can't just hang up your shingle and become one because you said that you were on TikTok, you know, so how, you know, so what is it exactly that you do and what sets you apart from all of these self-professed coaches? There are a lot of coaches, low barrier to entry in the coaching business. I agree. Um, what sets us apart? Well, probably a, th- a few things. Uh, so this is year 27. Uh, which uh, experience being one of them. How about that experience being one of them, but also that that is a significant journey because 27 years ago, coaching uh, wasn't what it is today. First of all, we didn't have social media, so we didn't have that platform for everyone to kind of present. Right. Um, 27 years ago, you may remember, although I don't know that in the industry that you were in, we can talk about that, that executive coaching was a thing. Don't know, but 27 years ago, executive coaching was reserved for executives, which was in most organizations and industries were mostly men, first mm-hmm. of all. Yeah. And they only really paid for the coaching to be at the top of the house. So contextually, what is, I think, very different today is coaching is a little bit more democratized, right? Like anybody can have a coach. Uh, there are platforms. Um, you know, I have a whole team of coaches. We we span the gamut, right? We can pretty much coach anything and everybody. That did not exist there. So I do think one of the things that is a differentiator is that we've lived through all of that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's it's a lot the whole of cycle of it, right? We have. And, you know, I was saying to someone yesterday, I think actually now, and we can talk about this or not, but I do believe at the moment, I see at least my own purpose in being a coach is 
you know, bridging the old world and the new world. Like we're not in the same place we were before in business. Not only are we having a difference in in who leaders are, but the marketplace is dynamic. Businesses have changed since the pandemic or maybe even before that. And so I do feel like we are a bridge, right? I know what the old world was like. I helped right. the programs to help the leaders be who they thought they needed to be or get them maybe on track with better thinking, et cetera. And because that is almost totally different when you add diversity and you add all the things of today, you know, we have, like I said, the reason I'm calling it a bridge is because we still have a whole, a whole bunch of old leaders, many of the men trying to navigate a world that they have no idea. Right. What so there you go. And that old world, as you call it, when you were asked to coach, was that by the company? The company would pay for that? Yeah. So we didn't really have a lot for probably our first 10 to 15 years. We didn't have a lot of um, people paying for their own development. So for sure, uh, most places, the company was paying. So just so everybody understands, I definitely am not, uh, I don't do what, what, in many places are luxury coaching. So I've never really liked to be in situations where people were just receiving coaching maybe as a perk or as a nice to have. You know, I have always wanted to be in places where uh, significant change was happening or the leaders actually had meaty things to do, right? So either their business was growing out of control or maybe it was a big company and they had a whole bunch of issues they had to tackle. So yes, the company would pay. But it wasn't always the same person hiring us. And maybe that's where is interesting to you. Yeah. What I mean, who does usually hire you in that scenario? Uh, it can be the board. It could be, uh, to me, the most ideal people to hire us has always been the leaders themselves, right? right. I, I don't someone else telling someone they need coaching. I think that's a horrible way to enter into a relationship. Um, it happens. Yeah. Right happens like fix this guy or I'm firing him that happens um, yeah yeah, yeah. What I feel. <laughs> I mean so okay so then and then what does that entail like when you coach people obviously you can't tell us exactly what you do but like you can tell you know overall what do you do like well, how do you work with people yeah so we are a little unique because over time I have gotten better at saying we won't engage here unless dot, 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 right? So to me, there's, we have that privilege now. Let me mm -hmm. just say that. So I won't engage unless certain things are going to happen, that the leader is going to allow us to do discovery, right? And that means we're going to interview people. We might do assessments. Uh, you know, I can't just coach off of someone's opinion. Some people right. don't like it. So sometimes this is a non-starter. Most of the time people are used to that more now than they were before, you know, but I like to know like what is actually going on, not just what you're going to tell me is going on. Because one person's perspective usually has a ton of projection in it. Um, so we, we do assessment and then I only coach a leader if they also let me interface with their team mm -hmm. so that we're not coaching in isolation. I found really early that also is really not a smart way to coach people. And what I mean by that is if you hired me to coach you, but you said, I don't want you to talk to my, any of my people, 
I just want to talk to you every other week, you know, kind of like a pseudo therapist. I wouldn't take that job because to me, that means you and I are in this little bubble. Echo chamber. Yeah. Right. And then what, I just have to coach you based on what I'm experiencing you. It might not be reality at all. Right. No, that's exactly when you were saying that I was like, yeah, it's not, otherwise it's a therapist where sometimes you're like, they're only getting my side of the story here. Like, is that really going to like help me at the end of the day? Exactly. And there's a lot of delusion. I think that when we bring on new coaches, one of the things I spend a lot of time helping them understand is that when you have someone who knows they need help because they're in a situation and it's hard, right? I would hope that's why they're hiring us. Like, let us help you do this better. Let us help you fix whatever problems. To do that, you have to be able to help the person see what of their own thinking is a part of the problem, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes that's like real delusional thinking, right? Like I've talked myself into this story and maybe there's some physical evidence. So I, I now believe the story. And I think if we're a great coach, we help the person kind of see something different. Like, let me hold up a mirror and let's reflect back to see if this is the in real life, that's actually what's happening. Or are you missing parts of the story that are actually maybe the most important solutions or, you know, there's a crack over here. Let's shine a light in it and see if, if this is a place that is going to potentially give you more options or different solutions or different ways of thinking. So when you're doing this and and you get asked to do these things, or, you know, somebody comes up and says like, I want to be a better leader, all of the above, and you start working with them, like how long is a typical, you know, period of time that somebody works with you? Yeah. So we don't work with anybody for less than six months. So you can't, I don't know very many coaches in any form of coaching, frankly, Maybe someone would argue with me about this, but that in less than six months, I I don't, you can't, especially if you're just meeting the person, right? This is a new relationship. I'm learning you and your business and your team and starting to really understand what you mean by certain things. You know, it takes some time to get a groove and for me to know you're showing up honestly, that now we're going to have a relationship where you know what it feels like when I'm going to push on you, you know, because that that's actually an important part of coaching. When I hire coaches, if they're not brave enough to potentially risk the whole engagement when it's right. time, that, right. I can't do this. Because not that's when the work is going to be done. Right. Yeah. I, so it takes a, a minimum of six months you know, I would say the leaders, it's a great question. The the leaders that from my career that I maybe would look back on and say, that is a success story. We probably worked together for a year or more before I knew there was sustainable change, right? They were leading differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about individuals that are not in these big corporations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of startups. I'm a partner in a VC. I think that in smaller organizations, like let's just talk about founders. Yeah. I think that founders have a unique opportunity because they're oftentimes, you know, we're in creation mode, right? So in the beginning formative stage, you can adjust and change faster, maybe than six months. 
I don't know that it's sustainable until, like I said, as a coach, I've learned that I have to see indicators of progress consistently Mm -hmm. before I know for sure that the medicine's working. Right. And in in founders, I find maybe you see something different. Um, If founders are you know, in a situation where they're still really chaotic and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes I see that get in the way of good thinking and good behavior. Do you know what I mean? Like they have a whole bunch of reasons why in their head they can't be consistent or they can't maybe make certain decisions, you know, in their mind, it's so chaotic and it's, and it needs to be this, this way that they don't necessarily see the need to adopt consistency or things that might in their head be leadership for a bigger company or a bigger organization. And sometimes that's flawed thinking. I don't, it's situational. It's situational, but I mean, that isn't that part of the problem, right? It's like, you're just trying to get this off the ground so you can have enough people to, for you to even interview. Like what if you're like a solo founder, you know, and you're trying to like, you know, a lot of a lot of women in particular, if their founders have a hard time getting past the day to day and all of that. Right. So it's like nice to have somebody to help you think above and be a thought partner, you know, in those kinds of scenarios. Right. I do think that. Look, I am a huge fan of founder communities, you know, because uh, I agree with you. I don't I don't think doing it in isolation. I, I think the hustle happens in isolation, right? Often you are problem solving, but you do need people to talk to. You do need mentors. You do need coaches who are going to hopefully shorten the learning curve, whatever that means, you know, maybe help you consistently. You may disagree with me, but often with founders, I see that they're, you know, overcommitted. Oftentimes, women, we tend to overfunction anyway. Like we're used yeah. to taking care of. Yeah. We take too much on instead of delegating, you know, it's something I talk about a lot. It's like, you know, not only should you delegate for your own mental health, <laughs> but also for the company, right. You should only be spending time on things that actually are your expertise. You should not be engaging in small things that, you know, somebody else could be doing. Plus, you know, when you're hiring other people, you're contributing to the community, right. Of, you know, more often than not, women hire other women to do these executive functions. And so, you know, that's helping them as well. And it in taking time mind share off of your plate, you know? It's true. You know, uh, I don't know if you and I talked about this when we first met, but it one of the things that I find in well, I find it in all women leaders, so big companies, small companies, but I think that in founders and in small organizations, specifically, like you said, where We've surrounded ourselves with other women. I have in all my businesses. Uh, so I, I live what I'm about to say all the time. You know, we as women have something that men don't have. We have diffuse awareness, right? We have the ability to focus on a whole bunch of things at the same time. And even if we are focused on one thing, we have that eyes in the back of our head, you know, antennas everywhere, things. And I believe that there are moments where that works against us, Mm -hmm. women, leaders, and founders. And I think it's a little different in a big company where I see female executives in large organizations or enterprise 
And the way I think it gets in their way is that, you know, there the politics is probably worse than a small place, you know, could be potentially shark tank, depending on where you are. And that can add a lot of stress because your awareness around it, you can't turn it off. It's in every meeting, like it's in the air, it's everywhere. And you can't not know that. I think how it plays out in small businesses and with founders, at least like I said, in my own business, is that I have my antennas all the time highly tuned to how everyone is, right? Like how things are going. And if in my head, I have a way I think it should look and feel, which most of the time I do. Yeah. You have some intuition, also known as women's intuition, and the tone and and you know tenor and being aware might not necessarily be positive. It might be negative and seeing the bad things. But oftentimes, what I find, and I represent a lot of women executives, right? So I represent, you know, Justice Department. I have a lot of women building the matriarchy system. Female founders, we're hiring yeah. each other, etc. But you know, I still represent a lot of women in the patriarchal system, and I find almost every single client I have ends up getting fired, female, and they get fired because of these reasons. Because they know too much, they say too much, um, and they don't like their style. You know what I mean? Or they don't like how they present in the room, or they get cha- they challenge them, and so they literally just fire them because they don't like to be challenged. Is really ultimately what happens. And I don't know if you saw this article that's going around at Ann Lau, um, she was just ceremoniously, you know, fired from her VC because they didn't like her style and they gave her this offer and she's like, I'm not signing it. I want to talk like this is ridiculous. And I see it all day, every day, back to all the stuff of like women are bossy, men are assertive, you know, women are emotional, but men are passionate and all the double standards and they keep winning. And it keeps happening because mm-hmm. the only way for women to succeed in patriarchal systems is to act like them. And so all of our diversity and what they want us there for, we're 50% of the population over. We control the purchasing power, like money's in our hands. The only way they like us is if we act like them. And if we start to get successful, never be more successful than them. Otherwise they're fired. You're fired. Yeah. I think we're about to uh, reach a tipping point of this. I do. I totally agree with everything yeah. you say. Yeah. All the time. yeah. I'm sure. I've tried to coach the men leaders to not behave that way. I've tried to help the women not just be a man in a skirt. I mean, years, 27 years worth, right? Yeah, so I I'm, I'm sure you've seen a lot. And I've seen a lot. Um, and full disclosure, everybody, there were many, many years the reason I'm an insider is because I became an insider. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I think you get this, you have to, but it's important for anybody watching and listening who is a young up and coming female leader in a company or founding your own business. Like it's really important that we understand, which is why I called myself a bridge. I had to play the game to Mm -hmm. be trusted in the game. Yeah. Because why would you get hired otherwise? They wouldn't hire you if you're just going to tell them that like they're about it, you know? So what is oftentimes to live in organizations still today with all the realities you just talked about, Mm -hmm. I feel like 
I am often sitting there and saying, time out. First of all, I have to take some credit and blame here because I helped us get to now. Yeah, right. Very successfully coached a lot of leaders into C-level roles. Mm -hmm. And to do that in most organizations for a long time, you couldn't fight the system, like you're saying. You couldn't fight it. You had to be in the system. Yep, yeah. And to be trusted in the system, you had to play in the playbook and wait for the moments where everybody trusted you enough. And I still have this, I'm sure you do too, where there are very powerful men in this world and I'm one of the only people that can speak truth to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. A lot of them. Yeah. I'm sad that that is true. But while it's true, I feel like that's why I said, like, I don't know if the word is broker or bridge or whatever, but oftentimes what I'm doing in those moments is now reflecting the reality. Like we're saying we want change. We got 50% of this population you know, not just more women, we do have more people of color. We do have people with different ideas because for a long time we were, we have been welcoming that, or at least the messaging is welcoming. But like you said, then you get there and we still haven't reached the tipping point where the leaders in, in most organizations, they actually don't know what to do with different styles. They don't in the moment They may think they want it, but we're still stuck in some old thinking. And I don't always call it patriarchal, JJ. Like I, I think it is patriarchal. It was born of tribal, eternal values. But I also think that we're suffering from, I think we're suffering from like our language is wrong. And we don't have enough time in most companies to pause and actually have enough people yet who are willing to do what the woman you said in the article was doing, mm-hmm. and I, but stand in power, speak yeah. truth in a way that's not as a victim. Yeah. And I think we're getting there. Like, I feel like I am experiencing more people in their power, willing to speak truth, willing to stay, not just run away from the situation and go, you guys are just assholes or, well, you know, I don't, I don't know that any of them are running away from the situation. They get fired and they don't have a choice because they've spoken their power. That's part of the problem is like. You know, because if you're one of two or one of one, right, you don't have your people around you sticking up for you. Like they're all sitting around in finance in their, you know, in their quilted vests and like, you know, talking about like, oh, God, sounds like my wife or whatever it is. And it's just like, you know, we're we're just, you know, we tried, we don't like it. Like, you know, but then what's happening is then you have a bunch of companies that are just full of dudes. And dinosaurs become extinct. Like no one's going to work for you. And if they are, they're just one of you. And, you know, the population Gen Z and and Alpha, which my kids that are 10, they are not going to buy your products. 100%. They're not going to be a part of what you stand for. My kids know now that we can't go to the state of Florida and go to Disneyland, Disney World, because their governor's 
a fucking piece of shit. Like, you know what I mean? And our friends aren't equal. I'm not equal. My daughter's not equal. And, you know, can't read books. It's like, they're fine with it. They want to go. Yeah. But they're fine with it. Yeah. Look, my, my kids are older than yours. They're 23 and 20. And I would say they're the same, you know, they're looking at the world and going, what did you guys do? Yeah. Like, wait, what? Like my daughter will never, she'll never do what you and I have done. She will yeah. never go to work in those places. She will never tolerate yeah. what our generation of leaders have have tolerated. She'll just start her own thing. And I think it's important thinking. And I, I just want to make sure I say this. My mentors, I call them the Yodas because now they're very, very old. So am I, I guess, but they're way older. Um, they've seen a lot more than us even, right? And I think... The theme of those conversations now feels very real to me, which is for the old system to change, it may have to collapse. Yeah, exactly. And for it to collapse, like you're saying, people have to stop participating. Mm-hmm. You know, so as I'm coaching people, any women who, or men, by the way, Anybody who I feel like the system's going to reject you, right? Like there is a better chance of you getting fired. Yeah. Or not hired. You know, if you're a founder and you have a services business and you are being rejected because of your beliefs, your values, or you have to participate in a certain way. I think that when we get to the point where we don't participate anymore, right? Like I'm going to leave before you fire me. I am. I've tried. I've done all these things that the way the change will happen is that we will be creating alternative structures. The, what I'm waving at everybody is that like, if we think about the pyramid over here Mm -hmm. and that represents to me, traditional hierarchical existing ways of thinking and organization. And over here, we create something different. I'll just use a circle to represent it being very different than the pyramid. Yeah. I don't know what this is, but I think it is the future. And so I don't think we're going to bring the pyramid with us. Like, I don't, I don't know that the change you and I want to see and we are driving, it's not going to happen inside a pyramid. No, if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. I love helping women get as much possible money as they can in those situations, knowing that there's probably an expiration date. And then we're going to get the most amount of money going out as well. And then we're going to go on to the next one because not everyone like, you know, being a founder, having your own business is not for the faint of heart. It's not for everyone. Right. Like I've made myself virtually unemployable by men. So I have to make it work. So. Exactly. For real. Like I, 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 I really say that I start laughing. I'm like, uh. but you know, it's it. What I keep saying is if it was going to change, the people in power would have changed it. They have the power to change it. It's not going to. So behoove them to change it. Like now I've yeah, got the works. It makes money. Right. Like, yeah. why, would they, why would they change? So I think that there's a more important thing and we probably don't have time to talk about it today, but I do think it should be the thinking for let's stick with the ladies, right? If you are leaving the old system, if you've decided you're not going to participate anymore, regardless of who you are, how old you are, et cetera, I do think that it is critical that we continue on a path where we define a new set of work values 
and that we continue to be transparent, not create a system that has some of the dysfunction of the old system. And I'm saying this, JJ, because it's not easy to do. We're still in a world, right, where we're creating businesses and because profitability is important and results are important and efficiency is important and scalability is important, there's practicalities to business. And if we are not careful, we end up building a pyramid. The reason we build it is because it is the system that has proven to be the most consistent, efficient, predictable, et cetera. Take out the bad behavior. Yeah. Right? Take out the bad behavior that we're saying we don't want. I don't want it either. But what I see happen oftentimes is that we end up with, you know, idealistic, but sometimes naive thinking. And I'm I'm coaching some of those people. I've coached some, some amazing female founders. And then they have a dilemma because they take investor money that's not conscious money. They take... Uh, They commit themselves to a set of results and a growth plan that will require defaulting to the pyramid. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you have to hire fast. You start hiring talent. You start hiring people. Your values are diluted. And so to me, that's just a like practical piece of this because I think for us not to allow that to happen you really, really have to care about values that are different than whatever it is you've come from. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not worried about you and me. I'm always concerned about the female founders that now they're successful and they're attracting investor money and you know, they're getting their stride. And it's yeah. becoming predictable to me that I kind of go, oh, don't make that decision. Mm-hmm. Recreate something that I don't think you want to recreate but you don't know that there's another option. So I have found mostly, and I understand that, right? I found mostly when that happens, the woman just gets taken out of the place anyway. I've seen that happen over and over and over again. Like I'm going to mispronounce it, Miyoko. It's like the vegan butter and whatever. She has these really horrible VC guys and she was doing great. I was seeing it all over Instagram and all over the whole foods and like really cool brand. Yes. By the way, it tastes the best because all the vegan dairy is shit and tastes yes. horrible. But hers is like one of the best. And she has these horrible VCs, all dudes that like didn't like the results. They weren't fast enough. And then just so took true. her out of the equation. Yeah, you got it. You can't take that money. Right. But, you know, you don't know that in time because it's hard to raise money. So, you know, for me, it's like, I don't want those stories to happen, but I want, I want as much money in women's hands as possible. And if you got to recreate those scenarios to get the money to then deploy it in a different way to help, because we can't get the money in the first place. Right. So we're just like, okay, go get the money. You know, there's very few female founders who made an exit and actually had money. You know, most of them that we read about, right. Even the ones that got like blacklisted and etc like they had very little money or and or very little experience right so what no one was talking about was like a lot of them that were being like shame from the wing and glossier etc they were really young 
people, okay, not just women, p- people, just like Mark Zuckerberg, if he did not have actual grownups around him, would he st- still be around? We see what happened to Travis or Adam Newman. I mean, what a joke. Like, you know what I mean? These were people with no experience or people. It happened to all of them. And they just weren't surrounded by people with experience and grownups, right? That's the difference. And so, you know, I'm happy if women make money. I mean, we got to do what we can do to, you know, get get ahead. And if it's like we have to grow everything exactly the right organic way, we're never going to get there, you know? And it's like no, we we yeah. are not going to get there incrementally or organically. I am no. I am all for us doing bold things and look, I admire and actually love your style. I do think it's highly threatening. Look, I'm oh, yeah. a version of that, right? And it is threatening. It is threatening to people. And it, it is part of, I think, you know, us wrapping our arms around the next generation and saying, we're in the messy middle. Yeah, That's what I call this time where we're navigating exactly what you're saying, right? Like you come into these moments of dilemma where I know what I believe. I know what I don't want to be. And then they're all of a sudden you're trapped, right? Yeah. Like, oh God, but to be successful, I have to do this. So now I got to make a deal with the devil because I really need the money to grow and mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. And I think it is going to take, I don't know. I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but but I agree with you that we can't just let it happen organically. Like we we do have to have interventions. Those are my words because yeah. often when there's something bad happening in a corporate environment, it's not like a family systems intervention. But for some people, it might feel like that. Yeah. So you know what? Whatever we can create to have more interventions in the yeah. process, I'm in. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I love that because you have that full on perspective from such a like a deep seated place and seeing how the interactions and like behind closed doors, what people are really thinking. So your insight is amazing. And I'm so happy we got to have you on here today. And I appreciate that you recognize that my style is threatening because I have been told constantly my entire life that I'm intimidating. And I was like, that's because you, that, that's what you hold in you. Okay. I don't do that to you. You're doing that to yourself. Right. So what's making you so uncomfortable with the things and words that I'm saying, you know, that it's like, because you know that you're doing the same thing or you haven't like tried to get your worth or you're not understanding your value or, or you're embarrassed that you've done it for so long or whatever. So um, I appreciate it. I love that insight. Um, and it's from a professional ladies and gentlemen. Well, probably not many gentlemen listening, but <laughs> They do. I think that the men who are going to help us evolve appreciate you and I and women like us who, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've refined my <laughs> yeah. I've refined my approach, right? I'm not, I'm definitely not as intimidating and threatening as I used to be. Um, but it is not uncommon for people to say, oh, Chris Grimm, scary, because yeah. Because I don't have a lot of airspace left in my life, I feel like. Mm. I'm 55. And I'm like, if I'm here for 30 more years or able to coach people for 20 more years, I don't even know if that's true, right? Who knows? Yeah. But I'm not like, 
I don't pull punches like you, right? Like I am in the game, I'm staying in the game, but I'm not going to hold back when what is happening is not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It is you. And if that's threatening. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I will look at it going, if yeah, you exactly. that, then you need to go and take a little yeah. like there on yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. what of that is threatening to you. Exactly. So, right. So, you know what? If I'm bossy and emotional, great. I'm bossy and emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love t-shirt. it. Uh-huh. I think probably already is a t-shirt. Um, amazing. Uh, look, we can't, I mean, I can't believe we've already been on for like 40 minutes. I thought it was like, you know, 10. Um, uh, Cause I could keep talking to you all day about this. Cause there's so much more to, to unpack as you were saying about like the whole, you know, pyramid, et cetera. Um, but anyway, so we do have to let you go, but there is one question I ask everyone in these interviews. And that is what is the worst advice you've ever received? Um, Well, it's similar to what we've been talking about. I think early in my career, because I've always had what I call authority deficit disorder, I've always spoken truth to power from, I think, the day I was born. My first few jobs, you know, there were people who were very well intended, who didn't want me to get fired, who didn't want me to go where I was going. And I actually think when I look back on it, they weren't wrong, but the advice wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Because... What they wanted me to do was dilute, tone down, change what I was about to say. Instead of going laser-like directly at it, they would say, don't do that. And when I took that advice, it never worked. It never worked for me. Because for me, that created resentment. It created oftentimes me like second guessing myself, then regretting what I actually did do. And sometimes when I, I don't know about you, but I don't do this anymore, but I'm just direct, but early in my career, you know, cause I was trying to figure it out and I kept getting this advice, like you got to tone it down. And like I said, every time I did that, because it created all this overthinking and insecurity, because I wasn't actually being myself then it it either worsened the problem, you know, then I lost credibility or, you know, the actual problem, the situation that I was in, like it didn't actually help. Right. It, so here I was going, this is stupid. Why are we doing this way? Like, why does everybody continue to just say yes? Because the boss is going to get mad when we tell them the truth. And if I played the game and took that advice, it never helped anyone. And you're resentful, right? Of course, I was pissy. I'm cranky by nature. So, yes, yes. So when I stopped hearing that, I'm sure, like you, right? I Look, I've had some messy moments. I have some things that I regretted anyway. But what I've learned is that when I follow what I know is true and I manage my words, but I am still true to the message and true to myself, mm-hmm. I would rather regret that than regret not saying it and not addressing whatever the issues and problems are. Right. So if I have to regret something, I'd rather regret being this person who might yeah. be a little dating. Exactly. Oh my God. I love it. 
That's amazing. It's an amazing answer. And yes, I totally, it totally resonates with me. I know exactly what you're saying. So, and I'm sure many other women on here um, as well agree. So thank you so much for taking the time. If people want to find you, hire you, et cetera, follow you, how do they do that? Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Christine Grimm, you can Google me. Uh, I'm on Forbes. Uh, I'm on Swell. I've got three companies. Uh, so R-E-S-E-X is one of them. Um, Avi.me is another one. Honestly, I'm I'm not hard to find. So Google Christine Grimm. Two M's? Two M's, yep. G-R-I-M-M. Just like the brothers, but I'm not that. <laughs> Christine Grimm giving you grim advice for how you're not a good leader, right? I'm sure you go. You don't want to hear, but it'll help. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for being on to everybody listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.